about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 49, one away from 50, and three away from a full year of podcasts coming to you every week, thanks to Northwestern Mutual, talking all things high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. Northwestern Mutual is the proud sponsor, and I'm happy to have them. College students looking for college internship opportunities, check them out and see if it's a good fit for you. The special guest this week is Springfield High skipper Jim Steinmort, a great man who has forgotten more than I've learned, so it's always great to sit down and chat with him, especially about baseball. First things first, though, let's talk about what I saw this week, because as you know, it's deep in the postseason at this point, so the games mean more, and it's been an incredible week of sports so far, starting last Friday. I started with a very busy day of sports with some afternoon college baseball. I guess I'm unlucky for the UIS Prairie Stars because the first game of that series that I was at, well, the Hawks scored 20 runs and UIS lost on their home diamond for only the second time this season. UIS would, however, sweep on Saturday with UIS grad Leanna Churchill in attendance for us filming Game 3 to see the Prairie Stars punch their ticket to the World Series this week. I couldn't be happier for Coach Copeland and the UIS Stars. I had a great conversation with him on the podcast last week. He's a great dude who's doing things the right way, and we wish him nothing but success. But back to Friday. After I left the baseball game at UIS, I went to Chatham, where I saw the first six innings of the 3A regional title softball game between Glenwood and Taylorville. The Tornadoes played well, but the Titans were and are the better team, and Mackenzie McCaskill drives in three big runs, which proved to be the difference. The Titans win their regional on Friday. And then it was Glenwood-Rochester soccer for the sectional title in the nightcap. A much better game this time around. The Titans win it 2-0 to claim the sectional title and advance to Tuesday. We'll get to that one shortly. On Saturday, another busy one in the area. I was in Mount Zion to see Springfield High and Sacred Heart Griffin in the 3A Regional Baseball Championship. Sophomore Seth Impson throws a shutout against the Cyclones. Enrico Veach brings in the run. That was the difference. Leanna got the Prairie Stars winning the wild one against Quincy. Go check out those highlights and read the article that Roop wrote about them this week on the premium side. Also Saturday, how about the boys' state track? Plains finishes third as a team, and we have multiple state champions, including Mason Coy from Lutheran, with two state titles as a junior. Let's get to Monday. Nice Memorial Day holiday, perfect weather day, and what a game in the 2A Super Sectional at Lincoln Land. Now, I can tell you this because the time has passed. But I had the tweet typed out that said Monticello had won the game until Grant Reed reached to get two on. And I saw that Caden Maurer was coming to the plate. I quickly sent that one to drafts and typed up a quick one. Caden Maurer, in the words of Pat McAfee, the dude is a dog. Maurer singles to bring in two runs and Moreau Forsyth walks it off to go to state. They're 32-1 this season and will play on Friday at 3 p.m. We'll talk more about that shortly. Heck of a game. And a heck of a way to win for Moreau Forsyth on Monday. On Tuesday, the big soccer game between Glenwood and Triad. The Knights get it done again. Glenwood falls one game short of state for the second straight season. And the Knights, who went on to win the state title last season, have a chance to repeat after the 2-0 win. Took the night off on Wednesday, but the Glenwood baseball team joined the softball team in their respective sectional championships. Thursday night, tonight, Springfield High will play at Champaign against Muhammad Seymour, and I'll be there for that one. The Senators looking to set up a repeat of the epic sectional title game last season that the Senators won in extras at Robin Roberts, and then they went on to win the 3A state title. Glenwood 
got there by beating the Maroons 2-0 on Wednesday night. The Senators will have to beat the Bulldogs to get to Saturday at 11 a.m. in Champaign for the sectional title and a spot in the Milliken Super Sectional on Monday. Another Super Sectional on Monday at Milliken is softball. The Glenwood Titans will play Friday at Mount Zion against Muhammad Seymour for a spot in that Super Sectional. Also Friday at 3 p.m., the Merle Forsyth Trojans will play Richmond Burton in the 2A state semifinals in Peoria at Dozier Park for a spot in Saturday night's state championship game. So, Saturday, it's either Maroa playing for third or playing for a state title in 2A. And at least Glenwood Baseball playing in Champaign at 11 a.m. in the sectional title game, possibly against Springfield High. Monday, we could be posted up in Decatur at Milliken for softball at 4.30 and at baseball for 6 o'clock. Those both supers, both at Milliken. That's what we got coming up on Channel 1450 and the games and the teams we have left. We're really getting down to the wire here. And that also means make sure you get your tickets for the Channel 1450 Awards Show on June 30th. Anyone can go. Yes, we encourage everyone to go because it's going to be a great time. We're going to recap a lot of stuff that happened this year. Show some awesome videos that we put together. It's Thursday, June 30th. It's at the fairgrounds and you aren't going to want to miss it. Go check out the website. There's a tab that says... Award show, you can find out all the information and get your tickets there. Now, let's get to this week's guest. It's Springfield High baseball head coach, Jim Steinwart. All right, I'd like to welcome in Coach Jim Steinwart to the podcast this week. Um, I'm going to start with a, a little bit of a kind of a lead into a question. Um, this is, I think, episode 49 of, of the podcast, so I've done quite a few interviews um, with, you know, trying to be keep it as timely as possible with what's going on with local sports and, and kind of people in the area. And early on, and, and sometimes it, it goes one way or the other, but um, I've been accused at times of being a bad jinx. When I have somebody on, and then they end up losing that week, it makes they say, oh, well, it was your fault because you distracted them or you did this or that. So I'll start here and just ask, how, how superstitious are you of a, of a person when it comes to you know baseball and stuff like that? I have... The little things, but not, not like that. I not that much. I, yeah. I mean, there's certain things. I you know I, I was probably worse when I was younger, where you wear some of the same stuff for certain games, and I think our players are more that way. I think the older I've gotten, it's like, stop. <laughs> you know, just do what you do, and, and you know what's going to happen is going to happen. So not not that much. So not as a manager, are you as a fan at all? I don't think so. I mean, we do some funny things, you know, if the Cubs are on a roll or something like that, but they're not. It's just for fun. It's yeah. not really at all. No, I don't I don't think. Again, that was probably younger stuff, you know, wear the certain hat, wear the certain shirt. No, we don't do any of that. <laughs> uh, as, as a coach, when you see guys, you know, try to wear the same things or do the same routine, um, do you think that that helps kids, I mean, in getting into a routine? To a degree. I mean, we actually have had a little bit of that because we let our pitchers pick what we wear. Okay. And in Seth throwing as often as we have, he wants to wear the same <laughs> the same jersey. And then he, well, the other day, he wanted, he was requesting the first base dugout. And I said, that's enough. That's, <laughs> that's no. We're, we're going to adjust to the situation, and you've got to learn to do that. Um, I get it because he'd had certain, whatever, a couple of, of his good games were in the first it's like no no we're not you've got to adapt to the situation we can play the jersey game i get that but after that no so that's all it's it's kind of funny i mean yeah. the kids get a kick out of it because they 
each pitcher sort of has their favorite uniform, and that's what they wear when they pitch. So yeah. it's like, that's fine. Whatever you're comfortable in, that's what we want. So we let them do it, and the kids like that, for the most part. <laughs> do you kind of see baseball as, as a sport that has more of a routine than other sports? I think the routines are huge because there's that dead time in between things. Um, we talk about that all the time, just in hitting and, and in watching players. They do the same things which you want them to do because that's kind of your thought process. So I think so because it's, it, there's less action all the time and, and you need a go-to to uh, feel comfortable. And, and so I think that's a big thing in baseball that's just different. I mean, I guess in basketball, you got a free throw routine. You know, yeah. same thing. Here's a little dead time. Before, you know, we're running up and down the whole time. There's not really a routine there. But when you stop, you've got to have something to go to. And I think that's important in baseball because of the stoppage that you, you have in between plays. Yeah. Um, you brought up Seth, so we'll start there and, and kind of go into that. Um, last year, the state title run. I mean, it was well documented how many different pitchers and how many different options you had and how many different guys. Um, is it a little different this year when you know uh, you have Seth, who kind of is the guy that you kind of go to, and or or is that kind of not the case right now? Well, I, I think we're prepared for the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we basically we started the year every player pitched, um, and that was fine. We were good with that. And, and now, right now, we're down to six. And the others, it's you know, we said tryouts are over, and you've done fine in your role and your time, but now we're going to focus on these six. And it's really five, and then one for a special situation is really all it is. Um, but we can intertwine them, and we're kind of prepared to do that, um, depending on situations. We, we've already talked about different, you know, rotations. And what's neat is just like last year, they're all position guys. So yeah. it's just, they're easy moves, and... A guy like Seth's easy because he's played short, third, second, left, right. And he could easily, he might have played center once, but I can't recall, but he could. And the funniest part is his primary position is catcher. I mean, we started the year where he was going to be, him and Nolan were going to alternate games and, and double headers, and Nolan can also play um, third base. And, and Nolan was, a, you know, we were, we were talking about him as a closer. Yeah. So, but once Seth kind of established himself, it's like, well, that's the end of that. And yeah. We've got Sam Hartle, who's fine for those second games when Nolan needs a break or the off games that he needs a break. And uh, but we're not going to put Seth there now. So and he, we're even talking looking next year. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's work on Sam for that because that's where we're going to be at. Yeah. So. Did you? I mean, Seth's a sophomore. Did you see this coming from him? I mean. No, I remember Coach Burke, um, you know, Cooper and, and Gristad, who's our, our sophomore coach, he said he didn't even do that well last year. <laughs> but to JV, he said he's okay, he throws strikes, but it wasn't like he was a dominant force. And, and we brought him up at the end last year because um, Ben was hurt when we started the tournament and we just had Case because obviously Ben's primary position is catching, but because he could kind of do what Seth does, well, very much so, do everything. He can play every position. That's why we left Case there. So at the end of the year, we thought, we've got to get somebody up here with Ben's shoulder hurt. I mean, Ben didn't. He could pitch, I think, in the sectional championship against Glenwood, but he couldn't swing a bat. Yeah. So we had to have, or throw. Well, I'm sorry, he could pitch, but he couldn't hit. So that's we had Seth come up as the backup catcher. And and that was what we saw his role. So the whole pitching thing has been just kind of a process that's like, wow. I mean, we didn't – and we knew the other guys could pitch. They were all pitchers. 
at the JV level last year, so they weren't surprises, but but he was because he did not dominate at the lower level at all last year as a pitcher. I mean, looking at his resume so far this year, uh, I saw what he did at U-High against the CSA champs, saw what he did in Chatham against Glenwood, and then I saw what he did last weekend um, against SHG, and I don't... I don't know a ton about baseball. I never played baseball, but it doesn't look or appear to the outside that he's completely overpowering or throwing 90 miles an hour. So what what is it about him that, that is successful? Because beating those teams takes something special. Well, I think, number one, he's a ball player, and, and he's passionate about it, um, and he knows how to pitch. He did go to middle school and played for Coach Tramper, so they're pretty tight. And he's a lot like Coach Tremper was when he pitched. Um, if you, <laughs> well, you probably weren't born when Coach Tremper pitched <laughs> for us, but but he was very similar. He didn't overpower you, but he got everybody out. He could hit his spots. I mean, Seth's control is excellent. Yeah. He doesn't just lay it down the middle. Uh, he's had a time or two, like a, once or twice a game, and that's it. And he knows how to spot his pitches, and he, he can obviously change speeds and and with a good breaking ball. And I, he just. He just is so passionate. One of his best friends, and this is so interesting, is is Jake Curtis. Yeah. And he hangs out with Jake all the time. And I don't know, I was sitting there thinking, what's the age difference here? I mean, you've got the... It's at least five, right? Four, oh, four or five years? Yeah. What is he, 21 or two, yeah. Jake? And, and here's Seth, who's 16, I think. I didn't, haven't even checked his birthday. Um, <laughs> Somebody might check he, it I know now. he drives. <laughs> I know he drives. I do know that. Um, so, but that's... And they're... They're great together. You would think they're brothers, and you know, and Eli the same way. They all hang out together, and it's what an interesting mix. But all they do is talk and work baseball. When he's not at practice, he goes and does something with Jake and Eli, and it's like, and it's baseball. Mm-hmm. And so, just being around guys like that, and, and just that, um, it just passes on, you know, because everybody knows how they are. They're the same way. They're competitive. They get after it, and they, they lead, and they, they can do things, I think, just because of their passion. Obviously, they have some you know God-given athletic ability. Seth plays basketball, so he's, he's an athlete for sure. But to combine that with that kind of knowledge and experience, and, and he's, if he's not at our game, as soon as we get home, he goes to the Lincoln game. Or, you know, he was at, we got home from Edwardsville after a rainout last week, and he goes right up to Heartland to go watch Heartland and Lincoln Land. Yeah. I mean, who does that? I mean, unless you love the game. You know, I mean... We just went on a bus for an hour and a half after waiting for a rain delay and an hour and a half down. We go eat for, and then as soon as we get in the parking lot, he's off to Heartland to go watch that game. And it's like, you, you've got a special love. And, you know, he'll hang out at the Lincoln Land games and the press box when, on Sundays. So he's, he's a baseball he was there. Junkie. He was there last night running the scoreboard well, that, <laughs> for the Super That doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's just a baseball junkie. And, um, because of that, he, he obviously absorbs the little things that make a difference in a guy like him in a ball game. So. Yeah. What are the conversations like with him when you go to the mound in a you know a high pressure situation or a situation where um, sometimes you you let the infield in, sometimes you don't? What's what's the usual conversation like with him? Is it is it anything special? Uh, it's usually something to make him laugh. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, I. I really don't want to reveal some of them because they're, okay. they're comical yeah. they're um <laughs> we might he started telling me a story the other day about one of the other guys <laughs> and i said 
you can't leave me hanging on this. You know, just something to get him to drop the shoulders and go, all right, let's go. Let's refocus, and, and but keep your perspective. You yeah. know, this is not life and death. Uh, other than the people right here, nobody cares. You know, and he gets that. And, and he's funny because he'll tell me, no, we're not talking about <laughs> certain things. <laughs> you know? And I just start laughing, and he laughs, and that's, that's really it. Um, and it's a different thing for different guys on different days, and it's just something to get him to relax, give him a break, and then refocus. And, you know, a lot of times we'll go do that when, it, well, he walked a guy and went 2-0, and it's like, okay, we got to do something. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's almost the pattern with all of them is if you walk a guy and go 2-0 somewhere your focus changed because your your throw strikes the whole time yeah. so let's get back to reality and, and get you to count out, hey what are you doing this afternoon you going swimming are you going out to eat or something just totally unrelated to the game yeah. and I'll be darned I don't know how many times I come back and strike one straight you know right after and it's like oh he must have really no I didn't <laughs> it had nothing to do with the game yeah. and that's what I think helps them you know because yeah. I think they just get that perspective after you go out there and, and get them to quit trying too hard or not not focus just get them to relax yeah so he pitches the complete game last Saturday against SHE to win a regional um, and I know you wins and losses come and go it is what it is but how how good did it feel to win a regional coming off of a state run when I mean if you lose a regional it's like oh you know there was a drop off which isn't definitely isn't the case because you're playing SHE you're playing CSA teams but um, was that a little bit of a, a relief when you win a regional last weekend? Sure yeah I think so but I think the kids are really good at um, remembering how things went last year and how much we focused on the next game only we're not going to talk about next week or you know it's just the next game and you know and and I don't know I share with them that I guess my piece from it comes like you know God already knows who's going to win or lose you hear a lot of coaches say God doesn't care I think he does I I absolutely think he does and and so it's kind of like you do your part you know you can't just say oh let go and let him no (laughs) you've given you're given an ability so you do your best but in the end Whatever's supposed to happen will happen, and and don't. There's no reason to worry about it. It's already he already knows. So, and I'll throw that at him, and they kind of look at me and they go, you know, uh, yeah. There's no reason to get uptight. So let's just do our thing, and whatever happens, happens. And you know, you might not understand why it came out the way it did, but it's pretty much how every day is when you have a plan and things go goofy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. We just focus on the net. Yes, that was a you know. Of course, you want to win that, and of course, you know. Our guys are so tight with theirs, and I'm pretty tight with all their coaches. Yeah. Um, so that makes it a little like, you know, that's like playing your brother. You mm-hmm. know, it's one of those deals. So, yes, that's a, a special kind of thing in and of itself. Yeah. What was what was the mood like on the bus over there and on the way back? You know, leading up to a regional championship, I mean, that game is what it is. You, you know who you're playing. You know the situation. You already played them twice this year. Um what was it like on the way there, and kind of what was it like on the way back? Was could you kind of feel a difference? I, not really. I think they're pretty even keeled. They yeah. don't get too high. They don't get too wound up. Um, you know, most of them probably get a little nap, or they have their headphones in on the way there, and then they kind of all they know when you're ten, fifteen minutes away. Okay, it's time to focus. But it's not. It's not. I don't know. They're pretty mature, and I just think because. 
nine of them took part in what happened last year, they kind of know how you're supposed to be. Yeah. And even after the game, you know, I, I kind of, I was okay if if they were a little rah rah once we get out of the lot and away from people. But yeah. they didn't. They were more worried about where we were going to eat because I let them pick a place and they were arguing about where we're going, <laughs> where we're going to eat. And it's like, that's kind of neat, you know. It's like they didn't get over the top about anything. Um, other than some had different preferences on <laughs> where we were going to eat. But when they finally agreed, it was like, okay. It's like, I don't know, they forget stuff so quickly, um, which is cool. I mean, they have short memories, yeah. um, shorter than us coaches and <laughs> adults who tend to obsess over things. It's like, man, it's after that 10 minutes, they're on to back to what are we doing next, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, no, they were really good. Having those guys, like you said, back and having that experience and just the run, those – the experience of those extra games, um, those extra practices, all that last year. Uh, but I want to talk about a, a guy who wasn't a part of that last year, who is a huge part of this year, and that's Nolan. Um, I mean, for what he's done on both sides with with his bat and as a catcher, like you said, with with guys like Seth. Um, just what what was it like having him back this year, and what did you expect from him coming into this year? I'm not sure that I thought it would be much less than it is. We knew he was a good ball player. I think that football season going into our season, him being pretty competitive in summer baseball, there was a short window. My perception is he kind of didn't think he'd see a lot of time and he didn't want to sit on a bench for kind of an unknown. I think everybody knew we were going to be decent, but he's like, you know, man, I just got done with football. Summer ball starts in six weeks. I can use a little break, and I don't need it sitting on a bench watching these guys. Now, I know Oh, he would said something when he went to one of the Chatham games last year. He was in a lawn chair, and I'd heard that he was like, I screwed up. <laughs> you know, I should be out there. Yeah. But because he just saw how things were going. But I don't think he screwed up. I just think that whole year was so tough on kid and maybe he needed a break to yeah. have football right then and know, know that you are going to have a competitive summer season and he told me the day he told me of his decision I'm going to be out next year I, this has just been a long year with you know everything we've gone through and then football and summer ball coming up I just think I'm going to sit it out this year but I'll be back next year and it's like cool that'll work because obviously that spot's open and let's go so, yeah. so but he's obviously had a great season but I he came to camp when he was a little guy, and, and both Coach Torres and my camp. So we've known Nolan forever, and we've always known he can hit and he can catch. So yeah. it wasn't a, a, a shock that he's doing so well, just that people didn't know about it. And he obviously hadn't played in our program since he was a freshman. I mean, you know, didn't have a sophomore year, and then junior year had that back-to-back stuff with summer ball and that. So it was it was interesting, but yeah. it, it's not a surprise. I mean, I, I figured he'd do pretty well. If you... I mean, you obviously saw him on the football field. A lot of people did, and <laughs> there wasn't a tougher kid on that defense. Hard right. to say. So when you you know what kind of athlete he is, and like you said, you know he played. He's a good baseball player. Um, you know how tough he is as a football player. Um, how much does that give you a peace of mind that he's your catcher and he's the guy, you know, kind of running the show from back there? It's great on one hand, but he came in with quite a bit of humility. Like when they did early season, I don't know, there was a television interview, and he was kind of, he felt awkward, like, I wasn't part of that, I, I'm not, I, I'm not the guy yet, I haven't done anything yet, I mean, it was, it was hard, I think it was hard for him, 
to just jump in and be comfortable. Um, it didn't take long. Once he was hitting like he was, then it was like, okay. But but even then, when I'd want him to go, hey, take charge of this thing, he was kind of like, you know, I don't have, I haven't earned that right yet. So yeah. that that part has been, I think, just tough, just because I could go on and on what that COVID year has done to so many kids. Um, Nick Mavich and I are, are pretty close. I mean, and I'm I'm close with. We have such a great camaraderie among baseball coaches. I can't think of any. I mean, we just all get along. But Nick and I are especially close. And he called me one night, and he was kind of upset. And he just says, "I am totally failing with these guys." And we, I think he called me because we have similar groups. We've always been close. It was you know we both returning a couple, and and it's like Nick. We just went through this with our coaches literally two days ago that they don't understand things because they didn't have a group to follow. Yeah. And you could say, well, you had those four returning guys, and you go, wait a minute, Ryan Crum was the only guy from day one to the end, and he was just kind of following Big Brother and doing what they, but he wasn't a part of, and, you know, Jack came in the middle of the year, the Burks came up at the end. They didn't understand the, hey, who's got the water, who's got the equipment, and, and I said, the first day, I got upset because it's like, let's go. You know, we go to Lincoln Land, and you, you got to get the tarps off, and you got to do certain, and they just stand there. Yeah. And, and, and then it hit me after, the, like, the first day, and I'm like, they never had anybody to follow yeah. that whole year. Yeah. They didn't know this. And so then you go back and you go, wow, we've got to reteach something that in years past it just rolls because the group behind sees the group ahead. And even though these guys were around, they weren't around them at the beginning of the year to understand that. The, and Nick said the same stuff because again, same thing. He had a couple guys, you know, with um, Jimerson and Mitch, and, and the rest were kind of the newer. It was the same scenario, and it's like, wow, they just don't know. And so we have to go back, show them how to fill the water jug, where to get it. I mean, they didn't have that group, so. And then our coaches were talking, that's what we see in the classroom every day. Yeah. They didn't have a group to, to follow and show them the way. And it's like, man, I never thought of that. And uh, and once we figured that out, it was like, okay, now we'll go back and almost do what you would do as a JV coach in certain things and explain instead of getting upset because once you, you, know, once you realize what's going on, it's like, man, we've never had to go through this. But you go, guess what? Neither have they. You know who's who's ever had a missing year in their life, yeah. and, and and I joke with the kids. It's like because they'll they'll give me that screen face, that blank stare. Like you know, it's like <laughs> don't screen face me. You know, it's like, but you sit there and go, well, what, what do you think they did for a year? Yeah. I mean, that was how they learned. If they learned anything or interacted, and it's like wow, just so many things that we didn't realize that they've had to go through and so you just have some compassion and try to do things a little differently so yeah um just to kind of tie that in too i think not only did they miss a year but they see both with your program and nick's program last year how successful you guys both go to state and it's like oh you know if we show up this is just going to (laughs) happen not the case like you said right you have to do things the right way you have to put in the work practice i mean come doing the things like you said where i mean if you don't do it you don't know you just see oh they went to state they won state right, it's like right we just expect to show up and do that same thing and it's that's not the yeah, case yeah i mean i just i told them sop and, and they're like huh 
you know, everything's acronyms, and I'm not an acronym guy. I go standard operating procedure. This is what you do without being told. But in your case, you have to be told because you didn't know it. And that's what we just kind of went back and, 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 on, and then, you know, Nick and I kind of reconnected like, oh, yeah, okay, we can do this now. But I know he was frustrated and I was too. Like, we're not getting through to these kids. And it's never been this way before because it just kind of flowed. And once we understood that, it made things easier. And, and you know, you don't get angry, you just you understand. And, and so you just adjust the way you teach from the way you did before. That's all. Coming off of a state title coming into this year, I know we talked early on about, you know, kind of expectations and returning guys, but what's been the biggest surprise for you with this group? Probably the pitching as well as they've done. I mean, I, and then counter that, I thought we would offensively just score a ton. But I think the weather just, yeah. I mean, until the last two weeks. It was awful. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you watch anybody, MLB, whatever, the, oh, the pitching's ahead of the game. Yeah, because that guy's moving on every play. The pitcher's moving on every play. So he's he's got a little fluidity to him where the hitter's standing around freezing. Yeah. <laughs> and then now he's got to go do an explosive movement for 30 seconds and then go back to his standing around in this wind and this cold. So to me, it, it just made it clear why why cold weather games are dominated by pitchers. Um, it's, it's not fun to hit when you're standing around in this stuff. And, uh, you know, you can tell them to move all you want, but you still got a position where you're not going all over the place. So once it's warmed up, not, I mean, I literally think the last week everybody's back to where I th- we thought going in they'd be all year. But when you sit and look at the conditions, it's not a surprise. And, and conversely, that's probably why some of the pitching was successful. But at the same time, they grew as pitchers so that when, even when the warm weather came, they, under, you know, and Coach Tramper and Coach Elliott, all our coaches are just so good at how they teach things. And, uh, and so they kind of understood what to do um, and clearly did well when it was colder. But, but I, we just... They, they were unproven. I know what Jim Rupert wrote that thing. Like I, I never even thought of that. That we had lost thirty of our thirty-one pitching wins, and the only other one we had was the only time Ryan pitched last year on a Saturday. <laughs> so it was like, wow, I didn't think of that. That we only came in with one pitching win. But at the same time, like I said, these guys were all pitchers before. I mean, Jack and and Ryan and, and Griff and Coop and yeah, well, like I said, all sixteen of them have pitched before. So it wasn't. Like they've never pitched, they just haven't pitched at this level. So it was just kind of their year to shine, and it's, it's so that's been the pitching's made up for the lack of offense. But I don't blame them for the lack of offense as much as the conditions. So and now, you know, I really like Seth's comment the other day. I think it was you that asked him, um, "Hey, are, are you have you put it all together yet?" And he's like, "Not yet." Yeah, and, and he's right because I think the hitting's still coming. And the pitching's there, so it's kind of like, we'll see where this goes. And, and, you know, whatever happens, it happens. But I agree with his comment. I don't think we've fully had that just dominating game. We, but we've had enough of the parts together to, to do as well as we've done, which is, that's fun. So We talked last year on the run, or maybe after, but um, about the, the sacrifices of, your players and position changes and being willing to do things. You know, Ben, like you said, Ben is a a catcher at the college level, but he can also play other positions, and he did that. Um, So I want to ask about 
last summer, Jack Sweeney's named the number one first baseman in the state, according to whatever you know rankings or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's willing to play right field. He's willing to play outfield. Um, is that just a testament to your program? Is that a testament to him? Or is it just kind of the, the following the chain of they saw what happened last year, they saw what it can be, so that's that's what it is again? I think it's a combination. I mean, we were alternating him and Ryan earlier, and obviously, you know, Jack's can move a little better than Ryan in an outfield, and Jack said, I like playing the outfield. And so that made it easy, yeah. you know. And we tried different combinations, and in terms of our, you know, our hitting combinations and defensive combinations, and it just got to the point where, unless Ryan's pitching, you're in the outfield, and he's totally good with that. And I think it, like you said, I think it goes back to they saw the other guys sacrifice their own selfish desire for the good of the team, and whatever it takes for the team, we'll do it. And you know, we realize this guy, that guy, and the other guy. Those might be their best spots, but I can do this to help us. So we got all of us, and they get that. I think they understand that pretty clearly. So that's it's pretty obvious because yeah. I think it's right in front of them that that's what it takes. And you know, and Ben being a good example, being as good a catcher as he is, it's like that didn't hurt his his chances. It, I think it enhanced things because what if they run into the same thing in college? Well, you know, early on he was playing second and third too because yeah. they knew he could and he knew he could. So. Yeah. I think the more versatile you are, the obviously the more marketable you are later. But in the immediate time, you're helping the team, and, and they get that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can't see how talented Jack is at, at a certain position, then you obviously don't know baseball very well. But um, have you had that conversation with um, college coaches at any point where you say, you know, they, they probably ask about a kid's character, about a kid's willingness to, to be a part of the team, and I mean, it's hard to argue if, if a kid is willing to do whatever it takes for the team, you would want that kid on your team. Um, have you had any of those discussions at all? Well, what's kind of odd, but it's understandable, is I don't – I've hardly ever talked to any college coaches. I mean, probably Ron and Tor because we use their plays, <laughs> you know. And even then, and not a lot about personnel per se. There may be a time or two when we have some downtime between things. We'll just mention some things, but – the other college coaches are so busy. I mean, I think they do most of their recruiting and signing in all, you know summers yeah. when they see other guys. So I can't say I've had outside of those two because we're we're practicing on their backfield conversations with any college coaches. Yeah, and they don't. They're busy. They're doing their own thing, and uh, they do their talking in the summer to the kids and their their parents probably more than high school coaches at all. Yeah. yeah. Um. I want to talk a little bit about the Burke brothers and kind of the season that they've had. Um, like you mentioned last year, they, they come up and just impossible to get out in the postseason, it seems like, and, and or huge at the plate and huge for you guys. Um, what did you see from them this year? Because I think it's fair to say at times they struggled at the plate, um, which is gonna, it's baseball. That's going to happen. But kind of what did you see from them this year? Yeah, it's been a struggle for both of them. And, and But to me, it's a good thing, and we kept talking about that. Like, pick a time. Everybody that's ever good at baseball struggles at some point. What do you think the best time in someone's career is for that to happen? I said, now's the best time. It's like, you're not, 
same thing on the college coaches. There is no coach ever that's called and asked me what somebody's batting average is ever. <laughs> and, and, and in previous years, or even at different times when we have discussions, they don't they don't care. Yeah. Um, and they shouldn't. They watch how you do things. And so it's along with the weather thing. I just think it's a different thing for these kids to play when there's less pressure because the other guys are running the show and you're kind of following the lead and you're just playing. And then this year, uh-oh, we are the lead guys. And I'm not sure that's exactly how they thought of it, but there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Like there's there were no expectations last year. There's nothing to lose when you play last year. This year it's like I've got to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing for anybody. I think we've all gone through that when, you know, when you're growing up in whatever you're good at or doing well at it, it there's a time when it's easier when there's no pressure and then there's a time when you're expected to do it that it's a little tougher and and they both work through it in different ways and they're they're good they're getting back to exactly where you know where they were i think a lot of it yeah i think it's and not weather is an excuse um but partially yeah that's made it tough and then i think you combine that with the expectation parts when there weren't any and now there are and then you do that to yourself, it makes it hard. It gets in your head. And, and uh, so that's really a lot of those discussions are to get, get them to understand what's going on and it's okay. This is the right time in your whole career for this to go to go through because there'll be other little sn- you know slumps and snags throughout your baseball career if you guys choose to play as you're very capable of in college. But it won't be that hard when you've gone through this before because for some of them it's the first time they've ever failed. And you know more than a game. You know, I mean, everybody's had an off game, but to go through a stretch, I, I bet they've never had to go through that because they've always been the better players on whatever team they've been on. And to to have that, to have to go through that's a hard thing. But I think there aren't many really good ones that haven't had to at some point. Yeah. So, but they're they're good now. I think they've got it all. <laughs> you know, we're just coming out of some of that stuff and. Uh, but they're back to where they were. It's been a good struggle, I think, for both of them. They just mature and they they get it. So, I want to ask your opinion on. I know Rupe wrote an article on it, and it's been talked about a little bit this year. Just the the kind of the gap or the difference in the CSA, and and Rupe kind of says it as you know it's becoming more of a country club sport than it is you know a sport that kids just used to go out and play in a field and. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue with the scores this year, and, and you see that, but I think weather could also play a factor in some of that. Um, but, I mean, what's your take on just how far the, the kind of the gap is between the top tier in the conference and, and the bottom tier? Well, I think Jim's totally right. Um, there's another big article out there that says the same thing. Um, I just go back to when we played, and, and, and I'm not even going oh, back in the old days. I mean, even in the 90s when, um, you know, I think Bill just did an article about when all four teams had 20-win seasons in the 90s. Well, we all played in town. There wasn't everybody running all over the place. They played at Chamberlain and Lanphier and um, maybe even Hobbs. I think it was mostly Chamberlain and Lanphier. And you didn't have to put out the money that you do now. I mean, even us... We always supplied the helmets until COVID stuff, and nobody knew how you got it, so it's like, get your own helmet. Um, but there used to be team bats and bat bags, and you need an extra glove, I've got a bag of them. It's like, holy cow, what it costs now. I mean, you, you, 
I don't think it's an exaggeration at all. You need a thousand bucks just to get on the field with gear. Yeah. Um, and then you throw in what it costs for. I sat and figured ours. Okay, ours kid, ours played about six or seven years ago when they graduated, and they probably played five years at the same time. Travel, um, you know, with Coach Greer and my oldest one with a different group. Well, they're actually some of the guys that are coaching now, and. It, they were both very modest. I think we played 30 games, uh, probably on average for each. And you sit down and look at your checkbook, and, and after you pay your your Mastercard bill, <laughs> and I, I sat and figured it, and it's, it, it was roughly 20 grand wow. we spent over whatever that four or five year period just in the hotel stuff, and and we never set out for oh, we're going to get scholarship. No, it, it was if you want to play summer ball, this is the only way we can because yeah. nothing else is available right now. And so I so hope they go back to, you know, some guys take a stand and say, we are having a city league. This has to stop. Yeah. Because to me, every team that's struggling, it's, well, look at it. They can't, they, they can't afford to do that. And that's not their fault. And no. it's discouraging some great athletes to even try baseball because we can't, <laughs> we can't fork that out. And, I think we were on the low end because, like I said, we did not play an exorbitant number of games ever, yeah. um, and we didn't go all over the place. But if you just go to Bloomington or even a, even a play, I don't know, Bloomington, St. Louis, Rockford, we did a lot of things around here. But you still probably want to stay overnight if you're in a tournament, yeah. and you know you're talking a, at least a hundred and a quarter on the low end times a couple nights, and then times a couple kids, <laughs> and then over. Whatever that is, a six eight week period. And there's your, there's your five to ten grand right there in one year. I mean, probably in one year then, and then you multiply it over those, and there's your twenty grand. And it's, yeah. it's like holy cow, how can you afford to do that? And now you throw in the gas. It's like, oh goodness. So, to me, those guys are the real. You know, all this coach of the year stuff and all that goofy stuff. It just means you're gifted with the kids that can afford it better than those guys are the coaches of the year that have to go through the struggles they're going through with the kids they have. It's like you didn't recruit these kids. We don't recruit these kids. You just have what you have, and they can't afford to play at this level. And I don't blame them. It's like, go do something else. Go run track. I just admire they can field teams because they, they do okay. And, and that could be us any year now. I mean, the same thing. It's just who can afford this? So, yeah, he's totally right on that. And that, I think that's kind of – it's not just Jim Rupert discovered this. It's a, <laughs> it's a nationwide thing that I've read multiple yeah. articles. And then you sit and you look at it and you go, it is. It's the haves and have-nots. But it's not because programs are bad or coaches. Uh-uh. It's, they just have what they have. And that particular group can't afford to do that. And I get it. Because I don't think I could afford to do it again, you know. Or thank goodness we didn't have, you know, four boys or whatever, you know. So yeah, I don't know how folks do that nowadays. What's it like watching your son coach now? Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know. Part of it's so cool. I mean, just because teaching's so hard now, and you sit there and go, "Oh man, what a hard time to go into that." But at the same time. I know, like for me, it's it's. All, it, I think it's become more fun than it was to play to teach them 
all the things you screwed up <laughs> your whole life and, and to how to avoid that. I mean, that's kind of what I was sharing with our guys the other day that um, I had some really cool texts with, with, you know, Trevor just finished his college career, all these having a, just the time of his life, and Luke Ketchum uh, at St. Francis, and, and we're just, you know, hey, and, and Ben, and, yeah. uh, you know, Trevor said some really nice stuff, and I go, Trevor, all I'm doing is trying to pass along all the things I screwed up. I was a master at screwing things up as a player and a coach, and I'm just trying to help you not run into those same roadblocks that I just went head on into. And so for Johnny to watch him, I mean, what a joy. And, and I guess first it's fun that they're finally, you know, once you get in your 20s, all of a sudden the folks are smart again. <laughs> you know, I've been a fool for whatever that period is when you're 11, 12, and you go, my parents aren't what I used to think they were when I look up to them. You know, and you go through all that, <laughs> that teenage stuff. And, and then when you start to become an adult, it's like, uh-oh, now what? You know, and so you get a few more phone calls, like, what did you do in this situation? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's a blast. I mean, that's so, and that's really, I don't, I, other than the time we played him, I haven't seen him coach a game because obviously we're playing about the same time. But we, we, you know, we'll talk. He'll give me a call on situations, and that's that's fun to do. I enjoy that. What? What was the biggest surprise throughout the last year since you won the state title to you that maybe you didn't expect or you didn't see coming after winning a state title? The biggest surprise. Hmm. I don't know, you just kind of, all of a sudden people, <laughs> they think you're smarter than you are, and that all those other years you were, you were as dumb as they perceived you to be anyway. <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, they can't win because he's still there coaching, and then you win, oh, he must be smart. It's like, oh my gosh. It's, you know, so that's kind of, people's perceptions are funny. Um, I don't know, you just realize how blessed you are to have a group like that, and our assistant coaches again. They, they all, they're all, they all coach middle school teams and they all coach summer teams and they're all our kids. So when they started doing that, that's when this started because it's like, oh, you know, this one's part of the Springfield High program. That one, and there are three different middle schools. And then Coach Door had a summer team full of another, like all the groups, and then they blend, and it's like they already know what we're doing. So to me, it was. Number one, the parents gave us great kids, and they. But I think because they already trusted and liked those guys, they love that they're all together, you know. And so it's like, without them and doing what they're doing in in both middle school and the fall, and then the summer teams, we don't do. Yeah, we, we wouldn't have the success we had. So to me, I'm just kind of the beneficiary of, of their time and work, and. Uh, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's fun. It's neat to see all that come together because it's just a special thing. That I mean, really, that's a that was kind of it. They all got started. Each doing the middle schools about the time that I remember. Coach Tremper had to leave our varsity practice for the, the whatever it was, the Trevor and Damian group when they were 13, and I'm I'm getting half ticked at him because he's leaving. <laughs> it's like, come on, he's got oh we got a and then after a year or two of that, and I start seeing him coming. It's like. You go ahead, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's like, yeah. Keep going, you know. And uh, yeah, you just see the results of that. And it's like, wow. If it wasn't for them doing that, um, and that was just the beginning, because then this group kind of followed the same path. They all, 
played for one of them in middle school, um, Coach Burke at Lincoln Magnet, and, and Coach Tremper at Franklin, and um, Coach Elliott at CES, and Coach Dort helped Coach Burke, and then he had the summer team, and you, they each had a summer team of these guys, so it's like, we're kind of, we kind of end up being the all-star of what they had, the all-star group of what they had, and so that's kind of what got it going, I think, more than anything. So, and I think we all, I'll give credit to the guy right in front of me, is, is Dave Greer. I mean, just the fact that he knows these kids when they're in kindergarten. Yeah. And he can, he knows who can play, who's competitive, who's tough. It's like he's coached them since they were in grade school. And then in our kids' case, they were playing together. Him and his boys and, and Johnny and, and TJ hopped in later too with them. They were all playing together at that same kind of age, at middle school. And Chatham's got the same thing going with their middle school stuff. So when you can get them playing together early and, and together in the summers, you've got a chance, you know. So that's kind of it, I think. You talked about kind of communicating with those guys, like the Ketchums, the, the Minders, the Damien, um, and kind of seeing where, they at, where they're at now, what they've done in college and at that level. Um, and even though he went to Chatham, obviously, what uh, what's it like watching a guy like Reed Detmers, who you coached against, throw a no hitter at the at, at the highest level? Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> I mean, because you can use him for so many examples. I mean, we've got oh, I just want to say there's some social media things that we have to talk to our kids about. Don't put this out. Don't put that out. And you go. And you look at guys like like Fitz, you know, from Rochester and, and Detmers. They're never they never put anything out. So and guess what they check when you go to college, you know? And <laughs> guess what they check when you apply for jobs? Yeah. And why are they where they are? Was it because they, you know, self promoted and did any of that? They didn't have to, you know. And so they're just great examples in, in humility and how you carry yourself. Um, so it's really cool knowing that you know those guys were right here, like, you know, not long ago and. And uh, and to see them do so well and have success as examples for the kids around here, it's pretty easy to get your point across when you got guys right in front. In the Maytons, you know, same thing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just an easy example, and then they, they listen pretty quick when you you've got guys like that <laughs> around here doing that well. So. Yeah, um, I'll wrap it up with kind of going into this week, the sectional, um, same four teams. You look at. I know you you won't talk about um, Chatham or, or Champagne, and that's fine. But as you look at this sectional, um, I mean, what are your thoughts just going into it as a general kind of these four teams are? Yeah, they're pretty even. I mean, it's it's you know, and that's you talked about. Are you relieved after the regional? You know, there's there's seeds in that and. So I guess you have a little pressure when you're the higher seed. You feel like we should live up to that at least. And where in this case, yeah, those are seeds are still left over. But you're kind of like any of the four of us could win it. I mean, we're each a little different, and and you know, so you just focus on the one in front of you and let happen what happens, and, and prepare for that, and don't talk about the ones after. That's really it. I mean, I just sharing that with them. Yeah, those are big theme in the last couple of days is don't get hung up on the ultimate goal and the destination just the next game because that's the only one you control and until that's over then we go to the next game you don't you know you, 
we have a, a great podcast we listen to. Brian Kane, who's a, a, just a tremendous mental guy, speaks at all the big baseball conventions. And, and that, that was one of his, his, his talks that we shared with them because they're just two minutes and the kids love them. And it's, it was called Destination Disease. And it's like, well, yeah, you can start the year and, and say that, hey, let's go to state again. But if that's the only thing that defines if you're successful, then how are you enjoying the present and the process? You know, and so the kids get that. And I said, yeah, my job's to, you know, I've already ordered all the buses out, you know, because I have to. <laughs> you know, they're there, but I can cancel them if we need to. So I have to see the big picture, but I don't dwell on it. We're just going to focus on the next one, and it's just part of And they get that because that's all we talked about last year. It's just next game, next game, next game, and that's it. Because if you get hung up on the other thing, I guess you ruin what's what's going on right in front of you. Or you're not focused on what's right in front of you. You're too busy thinking down the road. Well, you got to be thinking about right here. Yeah. So that part's fun. We talked about what Seth said. What's what's your take? How well are they playing right now? What do you see from your team? And I mean, are you happy with where you're at and, and where you want it to be? I agreed with everything he said and brought it up yesterday. Like I think there's better to come. And then I just kind of defer to whatever God decides, there's going to be a reason. And let's just just control what we control. We always talk about that. Just control what you control because, uh, well, even in the game the other day, there were like three little things that went wrong. And I kind of got on them and I said, those are good things. They're credit to your account. Every time something little goes wrong, I know the ball hit the umpire, there was a call that was questionable. And I'm like... It's okay. It's okay. Those are credits. It, things even out. And then it's pretty easy when there's a line drive to James, yeah. and you go, there you go, guys. <laughs> okay? So quit complaining about the little things that go wrong because they're eventually going to even out. It's just like the kid that gets mad when he hits a shot. It's like, well, are you giving back the hit you got when you know you fisted it or hit it off the end? Those things even out. So just know when something goes wrong. It just means something good's coming later to even it out and vice versa. Don't get too excited over something great that happened because you're going to have some little things go against you. So, and the thing is, those are life things. I mean, that's how every day is. You know, we always tell them, it's like, there's no such thing as an all good or all bad game or bad day. It's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of both in every day. And that's, there's going to be a little bit of both in every game. And you're... Hopefully you're going to have more goods than the team you're playing that day had. That's it. And that's really all you can control. So don't get all bent out of shape when something goes wrong because it's a game of failure and it's pretty much like every day I live. <laughs> you have a plan. I'm going to do this, that, and X, Y, Z. It's just like teaching. And in five minutes, everything changes. <laughs> it's like it all, it's like, well, there goes that. But it's, but that's, I think that's kind of what's fun in our practices, you know, because we don't know where we're going to be every day. I mean, there's four places we could be on a game day. We could be at Lancashire Park. We could be in our gym if it rains. It might rain in the morning, but we can go out to Lincoln Land in the afternoon. Or it rained enough that we can get on the turf after everybody else. And I'm not going to know until about 1 o'clock where we're going. <laughs> and I said, so is Peyton Manning every day. We're calling audibles. I said, there is no set in stone anything ever. It's We're going to plan on this. And that's where the social media gift of sending out group messages <laughs> comes in where when it changes, I'll let you know. And I know the Crumb Boys always made fun of me because I would always say everything we're going to do is tentative. 
And so they, you know, I don't think any of them knew what tentative meant, but they do now, you know. <laughs> don't forget, Coach, that's tentative. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it means it can change because it changes all the time. And, again, that's kind of how our days are every day you get up. You know, you can have all these plans, but one thing changes the whole course. So just be flexible and roll with it. And, and it's just like Peyton going to the line with it. You know, he's got his first 15 plays or whatever, and it all blows up, and he's got to change it, and he gets the line. That's how every day is. So they like that. I think that's what makes it kind of fun. It's, it's, I like that better than a we're going to – and I know people like, oh, your basketball game's at 8 o'clock. It's going to be at 8 o'clock. You get that. But baseball is just so different. Yeah. It's weather dependent, and and that's just interesting. And, and to me, it's fun. I mean, because you don't know what you literally don't know where you're going to be when you wake up. Where am I going to be tonight? I don't know. I think we're going to be here based on the forecast. It's probably going to change, you know. And, and that's kind of fun. I don't know. Just like games, yeah. same way. You just adjust as you, as you go. So, Thanks for your time, sir. Appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for doing this. It's been fun. Thank you to Coach Steinwart for taking the time to talk and discuss all things baseball. Like I said, great man, great person, great coach. And he's just always fun to talk to. That's it for this week. We're getting down to the end of it all. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.